Let's pray before we begin. Thank you, thank you, Father, for everyone here. We thank you for those who have joined us online. Those of us who are here in person, we thank you for a great Christmas, a great year in many respects as well. And Father, we're so looking forward as we're closing off this year. Pray the blessing of God as we hear the word of God with a fresh new faith and a hunger to know about you and to move forward into this next year prepared because we heard your word. This faith comes by hearing the message. And messages heard through the word of God. So thank you. We believe it. We receive it. Lord, give us the grace to work it out today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Long prayer for, uh, for, um, yeah, for an opening. So we're finishing off the series. And, you know, it's the Christmas series that uh, the King is Born. So the title of my message this week is The Best is Yet to Come. The Best is Yet to Come. So here we are meeting on the very last Sunday of the year and we're closing off this year. You know, and for some of us, we look back, you know, for some of us, it's been a very difficult year. And for maybe some of us, it's been uh, maybe a more joyful year. But for all of us, I believe, for all of us, it's been a year of, big, of change. Would you agree with that? A year of big, big change. And it's changes that have brought... Um, uh, the negative changes have brought a lot of uncertainty and a lot of insecurity into the lives of many people. And listen, it's just not here locally. It's on a global scale, isn't it? We've never seen things happen like we've seen happen, especially in the last year. And I say certainly we are living in uncertain times. We're living in uncertain times. And we look at the uncertainty, we, look at, we reflect back, we hear about the wars in Ukraine and Russia, and we're hearing all the, you know, the, the governments failing and uh, the increase in natural disasters. And I could just go on, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the governments failing and uh, relationships are, 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 are failing, you know, and God wants to do something there too as well. We're seeing uh, um, plagues and we're seeing more plagues, more pandemics as well, right? We're seeing um, increase of terrorism, but, but despite all that's happening in the, this world, for us, for you, for the people of God, for the church, listen, the best, see it with me, the best is yet to come. I believe we have not yet seen God's best for us. So I'm going to take you to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. And this is the time now that goes way past the time of Christ coming to earth. More than a baby being born in a manger now. He has grown up. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He is Jesus Christ. And he's going to the cross. And they crucified him. They brutalize him. They crucify him. They bury him in the grave. Leave him for dead. But what does he do? He rises from the grave. Jesus is just risen from the grave, and his disciples are sitting there up in the upper room, kind of hidden away, and they're having a discussion. And suddenly, the risen Savior appears. Out of nowhere, boom, he just appears. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 37. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. 
And then he says, touch me and see. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were... and. Well, they still not, did not believe it because of joy and amazement. He asked them. He asked them something very spiritual. He said something very spiritual to them, didn't he? He said, do you have anything to eat? You know, and think about Jesus. I, you know, I think Jesus was a man's man. I, I believe Jesus said, you know, it's been, I'm hungry. It's been days. I need to have something to eat. You know, so don't give me any of that vegetarian stuff. I want meat, right? Give me meat. Give me a steak. If he was, if he was, if, if the Alberta was the setting, he would have said, I want Alberta beef. But it was Galilee, so he said something like, give me a, give me a, give me a fish steak. Give me fresh salmon, the wild type, you know. Anyway, I don't know if it was fat salmon in the, the Sea of Galilee. Verse 42 says, they gave him, gave him a piece of boiled fish. And verse 43 says this, and he took it. What, is it, what does the Bible say that? He took it and he ate it in their presence. Touch my hands, touch my feet. Look at, um, give me something to eat. This is, way, this, is J, this is Jesus' way of saying, the best is yet to come. You thought it was over, but it's time. The time has come for a fresh encounter and a fresh revelation. Again, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You know, listen, I want to tell you. He says, I'm telling you, disciples. I'm telling you, there's life after the nails. There's life after the piercing. There's life after the scars and the wounds. There's life after the cross. There's life after the suffering. There's life after the disappointments. There's life after the setbacks. There's life after the grave. Here I am. He says, listen, I, I wrote this down. It is not so much about what you, what you went through that matters, but about how you came out of it, how you come out of it that really matters. Amen? Be or be. Bitter or better. What are you? You know, by faith this morning, I want you to see, I, I want us to see that little, that Jesus is standing right here among us today, and he's challenges. He's giving us a challenge. Listen, he's saying, you've seen what these hands have done before. You've seen what they have. They have healed the sick. They have raised the dead. They have caused blind people to see. You saw that before, but now, but now, look at my hands with the nail prints and see what I can give you. Look at my pierced feet and see where I can take you. There are places that I still want to take you. There's more than I want to do for you and for your family, for your children, and for your children's children. Amen? You have not yet seen God's best. The disciples thought it was over. But he appeared to them, and he gave them this challenge, a great challenge. And he said, touch me and see. Touch me and see. And I believe that Jesus is... He could be standing right here, speaking through me, and he's telling you, he's challenging you, touch me and see. He's challenging you today. Touch me through prayer. Touch me through worship. Touch me through prayer. Touch me with a fresh, new hunger and thirst for me. Touch me by faith and belief that I can do something more. 
I can do something new. I can do something greater for you in the coming year. Amen? Psalm 145, 16, for 16 and 19. Psalm 40, 145 is a tremendous psalm. It's a, pray, it's a psalm of prayer. But King David, and David said to God, he said, God, God, when you open your generous hand, it's full of blessings, satisfying the longings of every living thing. And then in verse 19, he says, every godly one, every person receives even more than what they ask for. Amen? This is the God. This is his hand. It's a big hand. God's got a big hand, and he's, and he's got a good hand. He says, and you get even more than what you ask for. And I want to tell you, God is not a God of not enough. He's not the God of just enough. What is he? The God of more than enough. He is El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. You know, and I, I believe that one of the greatest risks that we face today is we come to this point where we become satisfied. We become satisfied. You know, and I believe we've got to continually go to him and to touch him, to seek him, and to continually see that his hands, see his hands and know that he has things for us, way more than what we've experienced before. See his feet and know that there are places that he wants to take us. Amen? Well, you know, I, I can hear that voice. Well, yeah, but yeah, but pastor, you know, I'm okay where I am right now. You, know, you don't have to preach that to me. Uh, I'm good. I'm good with that. You know, and we shouldn't always expect too much from God. You know what? On your PowerPoint, never, ever settle for the good when God has the best for you. Amen? Let's never become lethargic. Never cease touching Him. And I believe there's more. There's more that God wants to give you. You know, life, as believe, life for us as Christians is more than just coming to church because we've already got our lives straightened out. There's more to life than that as believers. Amen? In, Revelations, in Revelation 3, there's a warning that a curse can come upon a church. And it's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. And this is the, word, the words of Jesus, message version. I know you inside and out. And find little to my liking. You're not, you're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Wow. Wow. I mean, those are strong words, aren't they? I thought Jesus was always nice. Right? But he goes on. You brag. I'm rich. I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Oblivious, in fact. In fact, you're... A pitiful, blind, beggar, threadbare, and homeless. Wow. You know, listen, but that's not going to be our church. That's not going to be our church. You know, we're going to touch and see what he has for us, what he has for our children, what he has for our children's children. And we're, we're going to look at his feet, and we're going to realize that, listen, he can take us anywhere. He can open up doors that nobody else can open. He can shut doors that nobody else has shut before. Amen? He can, do, he can do the impossible. And I believe, this is what I believe. This is what I'm anticipating. We're going to look back at this time next year. Fast forward uh, uh, more than 20, 12 months. And we're going to be sitting at this place. And we're, listen, I want to tell you, we're going places. And we're going to look back at the end of 2024. And we're going to wonder, 
how in the world did we ever get here? What happened? How did that ever happen? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, there was a blind guy, and his name was Bartimaeus. But actually, his name was Blind Bartimaeus. Now, if there, now, he was known by his disability. Now, if, if blind, if Bartimaeus had a calling card, his name or his handle would actually be Blind Bart. Blind Bart. See, he could have, Bartimaeus could have settled in his blindness. He could have, he could have never reached out to Jesus. But he said, I don't want to live in my darkness any longer. I don't want to stay here. Mark's, Mark 10, verse 47. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all his might, Son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up. Jesus is calling for you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak, jumped up and made his way to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the man replied, my master, please let me see again. And Jesus responded, your faith, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once, the man's eyes opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus, walking down the road with them. Praise the Lord. That's our Jesus. Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is still asking us the same question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do that you still hunger and thirst for and you're believing for? You know, I believe some people, some people can stay so long in mediocrity and blindness that they no longer dream, no longer believe that their life can get any higher, no longer believe that they can get any better. But Jesus says, no, touch me. Touch me and see. No, I say, never ever, on, your, on the screen, never ever live with less than God's best. Never ever live in, with less than God's best. We can, sometimes we can get caught up in a disadvantage, in a disappointment, and we can learn to stay, and we can learn just to live with that, can't we? And I know that people can't. We can just say, well, I'm going to have, I've got this, I'll probably have it for the rest of my life. But, but really, is that what God wants for us? Amen? I would say this, don't learn to live in your darkness, in your disappointment, and in your in disgrace, because we don't have to stay that way. Bartimaeus said, you know what? I've been, dark, I've been, I've been living in darkness for, for this amount of time, and I'm not going to stay there anymore. And as soon as he saw Jesus coming by, man, he got a hold of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus has touched me and healed. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 
says this. And this is a great powerful scripture. It says, God, I want this applied to my life. Ephesians 3.20 says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. Did you get that? He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. God is saying, don't let your mistakes identify you. Don't let them define you. Jesus is saying, come on, come on, touch my hands and feet. You don't have to, you know, I want to give you the kingdom, but you've got to want it. Amen? But you've got to want it. You don't have to stay in disappointment. You don't have to stay in failure. You don't have to stay in bondage and addictions and in, and, and in shame. And, you know, watch and see what I can do with, the, with what the enemy meant for evil. In Isaiah chapter 61, this is the, these verses are, we're, we're like reading these constantly. It seems like when these last few weeks, but I believe they're very relevant words for today where Jesus in Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And then in verse 3, he says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Then the next verse says, they, they, who's he referring to? They, they will be called. They are the brokenhearted. They are the captives. They are the prisoners. They are the ones whose life was nothing but ashes. He says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord, for the display of who? His splendor. They, they will build, rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long ago. They, the prisoners, the captives, the ashes, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. What, what God is saying, I'm going to set the captives free. I'm going to set people who are bound up in prison. I'm going to set those who are bound up in addictions, you know, and all types of other bondages, I'm going to set them free. I'm going to give them beauty for ashes. I'm going to take the dead bones that society has given up on today, and I'm going to make them into oaks, oaks of righteousness who will display my splendor, strong, the strongest, most power, one of the most strongest, most powerful trees are the oak tree. Oak trees, mighty in its upper growth, but mighty in its roots, in its structure underneath. Almost, un, uh, it's hard to blow down an oak tree. He says, I'm going to make them oaks, and I'm going to make them builders of my kingdom. I believe that's the word of God for today. This morning we drove down Stafford Drive. We saw so many people who were the dead bones of society. The society has given up. They, we just heard that if you go to Kelowna, B.C., you look at the camp cities, and, it says, and that camp goes for miles. 
You go to every city in North America today and probably in other places, and you will see broken people, hurting people, dead bones of society. Society has totally given up on them, but God hasn't. God has these are the people you're going to see for the splendor of my glory. You're going to see me move in their lives, and I'm going to set them free. I'm going to set them into bondage. And I'm going to bring them into the kingdom. And I'm going to make them workers in the house of God. Wow. You know, we sing that song. I want to see it. The world is going to see what God can do with broken and burnt out people. Amen? Amen? We sing this song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Right? But why is it that so many are doing it. There's an epi- I believe there's an epidemic of Christians who began well, but are not finishing well. And I, I think, I believe it's, it's important to start right, but it is imperative to end well. You know, the Greeks, I'm going to respect the Greeks, the ancient Greeks had this special event. We'll just go to that next photo there. In, um, in the Olympic Games. And this was, a, this was a unique event. And it was a running event. But the thing that the unique was about this uh, event was that the winner was not the runner who finished first, but the winner was the runner who finished with his flame still lit when he finished. Amen? And I tell you, I want to run the race all the way with my flame still lit, my torch still lit for Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the way he wants us to run. Make sure your flame is still lit. Matthew chapter 12, 24, 12. Sin will be rampant. Words of Jesus. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who what? Endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Hebrews twelve two. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects, in other words, begins and finishes our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding a shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. James 1.12, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised. To a year 2024, I believe has the potential to be perhaps the greatest and the most prosperous year for the church and for the kingdom of God. But the question is, what do you see in 2024? What do you envision? What do you envision for yourself, for your family, for your children? What do you see for your business? A lot of people, most people see adversities and not the opportunities. But I'm going to tell you, 2024 is going to be packed with both, right? Statistics show that only 10% actually succeed, succeed in what they set out to accomplish. Another 10% accept defeat. 
And some of them will even turn to alcohol, drugs, even suicide to deal with the despair and disappointment. So what about the other 80% in between? The other 80% simply endure. Simply endure. Just live in it. God's sovereignty does not excuse our apathy. You know, for us as believers, it's not Sarah, Sarah. And I know some believers who have that, well, whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen. God knows. It's not. No, for us as believers, it's not Sarah, Sarah. You know why? Because destiny happens by chance, happens by choice. It doesn't happen by chance. Amen? God has a destiny, a plan, a good plan for you. The enemy also has a plan for you. Which is going to succeed? Well, Sarah, Sarah. You know what's going to happen? If it's Sarah, Sarah, you're going to be walking in the wrong territory. Amen? God has a plan for you. Destiny happens by choice and not by chance. And I say this. I want to finish with this. If you want to enjoy a measure of success, if you want to live with a deep sense of satisfaction because you're following Jesus and you're pleasing God, then you need to do two things. I could give you ten, but we just don't have time today. Here's two, just two. Number one, on your screen. You've got to infuse into your life spiritual disciplines. Infuse your life with spiritual dif- di- uh, 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 disciplines. Touching Jesus is our responsibility, right? So how do you touch him? You put spiritual disciplines into your life. How do we, so what are these spiritual disciplines? They're disciplines such as prayer, fellowship, Bible study, worship, you know, and surrender, submission to God. And these things are not ends in them, not ends in themselves, but they all lead us to Him daily. That's why they're so important. Amen. Arthur Rubinstein. Has anybody heard of Rubinstein? Piano, right? Piano composer, world famous pianist. Years ago, wrote years ago about the importance of practicing every day. This is this is what he said. If I don't practice one day, nobody knows. If I don't practice two days then I know. If I don't practice three days, then the whole world can tell. Good words. You've got to infuse your life with spiritual disciplines. Number two, second one, you've got to live a life of ongoing ministry investment in the life of others. It's the believers who finish well, the believers who finish well, their lives are marked by an ongoing outreach and sacrificial investment in the life of other people. Every single one of us here, every single one, God has given us gifts, talents, abilities, experiences, and hard-earned insights. Amen? But those people, those are all things that are assets. They make you very valuable. God has invested that into you, but listen, you can squander all those things. You know how you squander them? By no longer investing in the lives of others. And when you no longer invest your life in the others, lives of others, you know what happens to you? You wither and you withdraw. That's what happened. I see that happening in so many lives. Proverbs eleven twenty four says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Question, what kind of life should we live? 
should you and I live? Should we live only for ourselves? Or should we live bigger, more fruitful, more productive lives for Jesus? You know? No brainer, no, yep, we know the answer, right? Let me tell you, a big reason, a big reason why so many people have little joy, little energy, little vitality in their life, because they live mostly just for themselves. What are you? What am I? Question, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life next year? What are you going to do with your life in this next decade? What are you going to do? And I say, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many gray hairs that you have or no hair if you don't have, that you don't have. Jesus says, come and touch me and see what I can do through you. Amen? Come and touch me. See how I want to use you. You know, I say this, accept and receive the magnitude of what God wants to do for you and through you in this next coming year. So I say, let's do it again. Let's take a hold. Let's take a hold of the word of God. Let's take a hold of fasting and prayer next week. Let's take a hold of worship. Let's take a hold of praise. Right? Let's take a hold of, of Jesus. And let's quit, let's, let's quit acting. Well, I've already given my best part, part of my life to Jesus. No, you've not yet given your best part. And listen, he still has the best part for you. Amen? So let's get a fresh vision fresh new vision of his scarred, uh, of the scarred hands and feet of Jesus, because he is more for you. And and let's declare this, I'm still going to. I'm still going to give. I'm still going to serve. I'm I'm, I'm still going to lead. And I'm still going to bless. In fact, I'm going to bless like I've never blessed before. Amen? Amen. That's you. That's me. So, I believe what's coming, what is coming, in this next year and in this decade is going to be beyond our comprehension. You look back and you say, Pastor Doug, you were absolutely right. Amen? Do you, be, do you receive this word? You receive it? Then say amen. Amen. Bow your heads. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father in heaven, I believe that you are here this morning you are encouraging us. It's the end of one year, but it's the beginning of a new chapter for every one of us here. You have more for us. You have way more for us to obtain, to do. The best is yet to come for us. And I just pray encouragement. I pray that, Lord, we would be stirred, spurred by the word of God to when touch you, to seek your face, get a new hunger and a new thirst for you, to read your word afresh, to believe for the impossible, for the unimaginable, because everything is possible for you. To believe not just for ourselves, but for our children, for our neighbors, for those who are close to us who really need a breakthrough. God, we thank you. You're the God of the breakthrough. I believe, Lord, you're trying to tell us that there's more for you in 24. So, Lord, I say, bring it on, God. I'm ready, and I'm pressing into you to take hold of it. In Jesus' name, amen.
and amen. Just keep your heads bowed for a minute. I know I, God our Father loves us and he wants to forgive us from all our sins. And if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never personally invited into your heart, say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I'm giving you my old life. Give me a brand new one. If that's you, then God will do that. He will give you a new one if you're willing to give up your old one. If that's you, you're ready to receive Jesus. Say this prayer. And I promise you, it'll be the most powerful prayer you will ever pray in your life. Are you ready for this? I want to receive Jesus. Say this out loud. Say this in your heart. Every word God will hear. Say this to him. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and that you shed your blood on the cross to pay for all my sins. Thank you. All my sins are forgiven because your shed blood through your son Jesus. And today, Father in heaven, I open up my heart and I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand and just wave it. Wave it in front of you. Anyone? I see that hand. Thank you. And I see that hand too as well. Thank you. Anyone? Anyone else? I've received Jesus. The greatest decision you will ever make in your life. Welcome. Welcome to Jesus. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to a brand new life. Amen? Welcome. Welcome. So good. So good. God is so good, isn't he? Let's God give God a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give Jesus a hand. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the new souls coming into the kingdom of God. Congratulations.